This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Yes, it's Shira. Ryan's not here. Shara Giselle filling in for him. Hello, hello. Hi. Happy Pride. Yes. I kind of got beef with that song that was just playing. I want to hear Jennifer <laughs> Hudson. That's Jennifer Hudson's song. I want to hear Jennifer Hudson sing it. I don't know who that was covering oh, it. Oh, okay. <laughs> hey, call it out. But it's June 1st. We're halfway into 2022 practically. It's it's good. It's wild. I know. It seems like just yesterday and just like that was airing on HBO. I remember those days. Che Diaz, who's <laughs> on the cover of Variety. But I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you more about that in the TV. Okay. Report. I was gonna say the last that was the last time I thought about working out. <laughs> was with and just like that. <laughs> yeah. And I haven't worked out since, basically. But speaking of that, maybe I should work out because let me tell you, I got my pride outfit together. What's your, what are not you wearing? Not a lot there. <laughs> what are you wearing? I'm wearing I, I'm not gonna give it away too much. I did go, though, I'm sorry, I went on Amazon because I needed an outfit quickly. I don't have time to go shopping. Girl, I got some sort of me- metallic, metallic thing. Uh, I think it was in the raver section or the festival section. Okay, I didn't know Amazon had a, a festival <laughs> they section. They do. Or a raver se- section. And then some, like, white see-through shirt, just okay. in case it's, like, you know, cold, but, like, because I'm not wearing, uh, you know, I- I'm not wearing a lot on the top to uh-huh. cover a bit, but it's see-through. You know, and then I'm gonna wear my little my pink Nikes, little uh, bit oh, of color. Okay. I'm giving you the whole outfit, but the the thing was is my boyfriend didn't know what to wear, and I was trying to get him to like sync up with me. He didn't want to do it. He thought it was performative. <laughs> well, I mean, were you trying to get him in sequins and stuff and flashy stuff? I just thought it'd be fun to match with me, but it's all good. I got him. Cheesy, I got Shira. him a Love Is Love T-shirt. He wanted to keep it classic oh, and cliche. Oh, God. What Are, are you all going to show up to the Black Panther 2 premiere in Kente Claw? Oh, my God. Like, how, anyway. How cliche can you be? You know what? He wanted that. I got to respect it. <laughs> Lots coming up on the show today. We're going to talk about um, why drinking coffee can uh, lower your risk of death. How much coffee, though, exactly? Mm, that'll uh, be interesting to see. Of course, we've got breaking news on the Her Depp trial and talking more about the Supreme Court um that is blocking this Texas social media law in 30 minutes with Vox.com. So stick around for that. Let's get into some what's trending this hour. As I mentioned, the jury did make their decision in the case of Depp versus Amber Heard. Okay. They ruled in favor of Johnny Depp in his libel lawsuit against his ex-wife. So the jury also found in favor of Heard, though, who said she was defamed by Depp's lawyer when he called her abuse allegations a hoax. So this is how the money breaks down. Right. Mm-hmm. The jury awarded Depp 10 million in compensatory damages 
and $5 million in punitive damages. Heard was awarded $2 million in compensation compensatory is that how you pronounce it damages and no money for punitive damages which is basically a loss for her okay i i know it seems like it's a lot a lose-lose for both of them but what if what if you all go to my twitter you'll see i've been very shocked and i've retweeted some things it seems like all of like the proud boys the gop mm. it's weird seeing them post captain jack sparrow memes and th- it's something to be said not necessarily about johnny depp but there's something to be said about the the interpersonal politics of this case as to why the GOP is rallying around Johnny Depp. This is very strange. Well, it's more like men rallying around the uh, the man, right? I mean, like, oh, you got her. It's deeper than that. We don't see Dems doing it. It's like the That's literal they official, respect. the official Republican pages are rallying around. It, to me, it just echoes. It's a misogynist echo chamber. Oh, yeah. um, and here is Johnny Depp's lawyer, Ben Chu. Our judicial system is predicated on each person's right to have his or her case heard. And we were honored, truly honored, to assist Mr. Depp in ensuring that his case was fairly considered throughout the trial. We are also most pleased that the trial has resonated for so many people in the public who value truth and justice. Now that the jury has reached its conclusive verdict, it's time to turn the page and look to the future. Thank you all so much. Thank and thanks you. to the jury. Thank you so much. Just wild. And already there's also news of more than 4 million people who have signed an online petition to remove Amber Heard from the cast of Aquaman 2. On the basis, I don't know how yeah. I feel about this, Shira. Yeah, she has been exposed as a domestic abuser, according to the petition's author. Which, let's be clear, like, both of them revealed very bad stuff about each other. But, like, if we're going to um, believe Depp, we should also believe Heard. Well, you know, if, if history is any indication of anything, is the woman is never believed. Even when she is believed, she's never believed. That's what I oftentimes see in conversations that bubble up with, with things like this. And we can't ignore the fact that Depp is the bigger star, so if inherently he's going to ha- probably have more support. It, it is sad in that way how this has become that type of thing, where it is like a very much like the men against the women and it's putting everything like that on a stage is it real? i don't i haven't been following i don't know what's going on with or this how much place. like women will side with the man right and oh like yeah i told you what was happening on tiktok yeah. specifically with white women mm-hmm. let's talk about it you all hop in my instagram live on okay. break there you go <laughs> next up we're celebrating uh pride with nbc out who made their pride 30 list the next generation or the new generation after this Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We wanted to kick things off today celebrating Pride with one of the reporters we love having on from the community, from NBC Out. Joe, your cable. Welcome back. Thank you. So happy to be here. Happy Pride. I know. Happy Pride. How are you feeling today? I'm feeling great. You know, it's the start of Pride. Mm -hmm. Uh, We can celebrate being LGBTQ, uh, you know, trying to think about the more positive aspects of it compared to what we've been dealing with over the past couple of years. (laughs) Definitely. And even still present day, you know, it's still a lot going on. I have to know, as far as this list, I I understand that NBC Out put together a list of 30 movers and shakers who are really, you know, making an impact within the community and in the world, quite frankly. I need to know, what was the selection process? How do you all go about compiling this list? 
Yeah, so we have a theme each year. So, for example, last year we highlighted 30 LGBTQ firsts, so people who did big historic first things across the country. And this year our theme was um, the new generation of LGBTQ leaders, creators, and newsmakers. So we chose people who are, you know, 30s or younger, um, who are kind of doing incredible things in their field. We highlighted a lot of youth activists. Um, Oscar-winning actors, um, musicians, and things like that. So the idea is that, like, you know, this is the next generation of uh, queer people who are kind of the change makers. And what are some of the names on that list, the ones that stand out for you? So, yeah, well, one of my personal favorites is Kai Shapley, who I uh, profiled for this list. And she's an 11-year-old trans youth activist in Texas. And she describes herself as the most Southern activist you'll ever meet. Um, She is fiery. She's known, you know, for her spirited personality in the activist world. She loves Dolly Parton, um, and she's been advocating <laughs> yes. against anti-trans bills in Texas since she was just five, unfortunately. Oh um, so she's one that stands out for me. We've also highlighted um, Eric Servini, who's a historian who um, wrote this book called The Deviant's War. And then we've highlighted Charlie Amaya Scott, who's a transgender indigenous scholar and influencer. Um, and there's so many more. It's a really incredible list this year. Oh, my gosh. I know an Amaya Scott, who's an actress. I mean, Kai is doing some great things, but oh, my God, there is nothing endearing to me about a child being an activist. Children need to enjoy their childhoods. But shout out to Kai. It's just a personal thing for me. Shout out to Kai. So I also would like to know, like, this is an amazing list. I see Ariana DeBose is a part of it. Carl Nassib, who made history with the NFL this past summer. Um What do you hope to see this month and moving forward amongst the queer and trans community? Well, I think this month I'd really like to see, you know, people just do what they need to do for Pride Month. It's been a a really hard year, last few years um, for LGBTQ people, uh, particularly with all of the anti-LGBTQ legislation. So I kind of hope that people do what's best for them. If that means, you know, not celebrating or anything, resting, um, I kind of hope that people do that. I also, I've seen a lot of talk online today, you know, about corporations coming out um, with their pride campaigns. And people have been really upset about that because a lot of these places have been silent, you know, for the last couple of years, despite all this anti-LGBTQ legislation. So I think what I'm also hearing from other people is that they hope that, you know, maybe these corporations will do something more meaningful if they're going to come out with these pride campaigns. They won't. That is true. I mean, the 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 anti-trans laws have doubled since yeah. last year, you know, and I'm right. I'm always concerned as to where the proceeds are going. You can roll out your campaigns and slap your flags on everything. Where do the proceeds go? <laughs> right. Yeah. And as a, a reporter, what are your thoughts on how the media covers the space, including during this month and how uh, they could do better? Well, I think that it's, you know, it's, it's important to remember one thing that we say at NBC Out is, you know, we cover this year round. Um, this isn't just one month for us. We're covering the LGBTQ community and what it means to be proud and, you know, the, the things that we're fighting um, every single day of the year. So I think that that's kind of how I wish other outlets would approach this is, you know, remind themselves that um, LGBTQ pride isn't just one month for people who are a part of the community. Um, it's every single day of our lives. Um, And so that these are issues that really we need to be covering year round, um, not just one month of the year. We do that here on Channel Q every single day. That was Joe Yerkeba from NBC Out. Thank you so much. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. 
The Supreme Court has blocked a controversial Texas social media law from going into effect after the tech industry and other opponents warned it would allow for hateful content to run rampant online as if that's not already happening. Yeah, but it's the wild, wild west out there. Yeah. And here to share more is Ian Milheiser, senior correspondent at Vox. Thanks again for joining us. We really appreciate it. It's good to be here. Thanks so much. So tell us more about this law. I mean, was it very close to getting implemented and how could it have changed things? Yeah, I mean, this came much closer to being implemented than it really should have. It was a, it was a five to four decision by the Supreme Court. And it is, I mean, frankly, a little bizarre that that this came very close. So the rule under the First Amendment is that the government can't force people to publish things they don't want to publish. So, you know, if I own a book publisher, they can't force the government can't force me to publish a book I don't want to publish. I write for Vox. The government can't force Vox to publish articles they don't want to publish. And they also can't force Twitter or Facebook to publish hateful or just offensive content. Um, What this law did is it said that it said a lot of things, but one of the most important things that it said is that social media companies, when they are banning people, when they're moderating content, when they're designing their algorithms, cannot discriminate on the basis of viewpoint. And if you think about what that means for a few seconds, you know, if I express a, like if I express a, a hateful viewpoint, you know, if I am a Nazi and I say that I believe that Jews should be killed, if I am uh, in the Klan and I say that racial minorities should be killed, I am expressing a viewpoint. And so if Twitter or Facebook or YouTube isn't allowed to de- discriminate on the basis of viewpoint, that means that they can't ban Nazis, they can't ban Klansmen, they can't ban people who believe anything, unless they're going to also ban people who believe the opposite, who believe that Jews should not be killed, who believe that racial minorities should not be killed. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was essentially what this law would have done is it just would have caused hate speech and other things like that to proliferate because there'd be nothing that the, that the um, social media sites could do about it. Which sounds so odd to me because, you know, there's all of this conversation around freedom of speech versus privatized companies. And then also how, you know, hate speech really does inform, you know, how people go out and then get their assault rifles and, and do damage to the rest of us. Right. Is there a chance of another proposition or another law like this potentially bubbling up in the near future? I mean, I there. I mean, it's important to understand, I guess, the, the posture of this case. So this was a temporary order that temporary temporarily blocked this Texas law. The Texas law is still on the books, um, as is a very similar law out of Florida. Um, the of Supreme course. Court will probably have to <laughs> right. hear a chat. Oh, I'm sorry. Can you hear me? Oh, no, no, we said I just Florida, said, of yeah. course, Texas and Florida, yeah. of course. Yep. yep. And so this, the Supreme Court's going to eventually have to issue a definitive ruling and not just a temporary ruling on these laws. I think it is likely, I and mean, given the fact that we know that there are at least five justices who voted to block the Texas law, that ultimately this law is going to get struck down. And it would be shocking if, I mean, it would just be a complete rewriting of our First Amendment law to say that the government can force someone to publish a viewpoint that they, that, that they do not wish to publish. Mm. Definitely. You know, what does it say about the, um, I would say, government and these tech companies, their relationship moving forward? 
It's a good question. I, I mean, like, I think there are very legitimate concerns about, like, you know, social media companies now, like, provide a vehicle for so much speech that I think that there are people who have legitimate, like, do we really want Mark Zuckerberg, you know, or Elon Musk Ew, no. deciding what sort of content we can publish? I think the problem with a law that addresses it, though, is Mm -hmm. that, you know, say what you want to say about Mark Zuckerberg, and I've said a lot of it. (laughs) Mark Zuckerberg does not have an army. He does not have a police force. You know, when the government gets involved in deciding what speech can happen, what speech can't happen, that is different than anything that any private company does, no matter how wealthy that company is, no matter how powerful that company is. Because again, the government has the ability to use, you know, has a monopoly on the legitimate use of force, or at least they should have a monopoly on the legitimate use of force. You know, if Mark Zuckerberg doesn't like you, he can ban you from Facebook. If the government decides you've done something wrong, they literally can kill you. I mean, that That sounds like what would happen if Elon Musk gained complete control and power over Twitter. You're saying it's it's less of a bad thing with these folks, even though people see the harm in that, you know, government um, getting getting involved or control could have worse implications. That's right. And that that has always been the premise of the First Amendment is that you don't want I will. Not only do you not want the government using force to to enforce what people are allowed to say, but like the First Amendment is an important part of our democracy. You know, we we decide who's going to hold power with elections. How do you know how to who to vote for in an election? You have to hear people speak. There has to be an open debate about who to vote for and who not to vote for. And so there is a conflict of interest if the government and you know and if elected officials in Texas are allowed to you know, pass a law changing what speech is allowed on Twitter or Facebook, and then they turn around and run for re-election, having, you know, skewed the conversation in a way that may benefit them. I mean, but even with that open debate about elected officials, we can't let hate speech be flying. Like that, we we that, can't be okay with that. There needs to be some sort of like a thin or, line, but you yeah. can't be out here saying doing the hate speech, which is not even subjective. I'd venture to say hate speech is not subjective. It just is what it is. Yeah. And the, the outcome of this um, Supreme Court decision means that at least for the time being, social media sites can continue to ban hate speech. You know, they, they can continue to take down posts that use hate speech. They can continue to ban users who continuously use hate speech. If this case had come out the other way, then, you know, basically every site would have become 4chan. Like there, there, oh there, would, have been, there would have been no right. way to take down hateful tweets or hateful YouTube videos. Which is making me think, because I know we got a rap, but I literally just saw a Twitter thread just last week of there was an account that openly threatened the life and the safety of the vice president of the United States. And it took Twitter months to suspend that account. Like it was being reported. Like that tweet just lived and breathed and existed on that platform. And I can't even repeat what the tweet said without the FBI swarming in on the studio. But the fact that something (laughs) like that was just living and breathing on the platform just baffles me that Twitter did nothing about it when I've seen people get suspended for far less, far less, you know? Yeah, no, and and I I agree. Like, I mean, one thing that's been very clear is that the social media companies aren't great at deciding, you know, which things (laughs) should stay up. But, like, if you think that Twitter is bad at this, 
where do you see what the Texas government would do if, you know, if they had the power to decide what could go up and what doesn't? True. Okay, well, thank you. That was Ian Milheiser, senior correspondent at Vox. Appreciate it. All right, thank you. Next up, find out which Oscar nominee has come out as bisexual. Yes. Yes. Next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Yes, we're back. Thanks for hanging out with us. More music coming up right here on Channel Q. It's Shira Sharjasel filling in for Ryan. That's like a good song. That's an iconic (laughs) song. Yeah, that's a good one. It makes Mm -hmm. me want to go to a day party. Yes, bring it on. A gay day party. I'm feeling it. We might be going to one right after this. I know. Ooh. I'm excited. <laughs> Coming up, though, uh, we're talking about coffee. You know, a little caffeine before you get to the alcohol. Um, how coffee? Now that sounds like a laxative, Shira. <laughs> how much coffee lowers your risk of death? We got some new studies out. I feel like there's always a new study about this. It's either like it's tea or coffee or, or less or, or more. Or red wine. You know, mm. there's like drink yeah, three totally. glasses of red wine a day for heart health. Then don't do it. Then like, yeah, it's always a study. You're right. Totally. Plus the Oscar nominee who just came out as bye. Show's got those deets in the tea report in a moment. First, let's get into some what's trending this hour. President Biden did his little pride announcement statement today. Uh, He declared June LGBTQ Pride Month while calling attention to the, quote, unconscionable attacks on the LGBTQ plus community. Now, he declared this. Do we have a clip or no? No, he wrote it in a presidential proclamation. Okay, because I was about to say, it's always been Pride Month, but I can't remember whether or not like during the Trump administration, if he revoked it. You know, he was doing so much stuff. He did so. That man did so much, so much damage. I can't even keep track. I don't so think though that they wanted to. If I remember, uh, Trump didn't want to light it up with rainbow colors. That was typical. Well, the, the Obamas thing. only did that, I think, when marriage equality passed. Mm, yeah, yeah. I don't know if that was an annual thing, but nevertheless, I mean, I guess. Thank you, Biden. Yes, President he said. Biden. Often, uh, I often say that America can be defined by one word possibilities. This month we celebrate generations oh, of LGBTQIA plus people <laughs> who have fought to make the possibilities of our nation real for every American. Okay. And uh, let's move on to this which it seems like the possibilities are not real for everyone. Uh, a drag queen story hour at a library on a U.S. Air Force base in Germany has been cancelled after backlash from conservative politicians, primarily Marco Rubio, who claimed it exposed... In Germany? Yeah, so he like... <laughs> Because it was a U.S. airbase in Germany. Oh, I was about to say. Now, what? Why the yeah. hell is Marco Rubio he, in Germany's business? Exactly. But it's a U.S. airbase in Germany. Okay. He claimed it exposed children to sexually charged content. <sighs> the library at Ramstein Airbase had scheduled drag queen story time for tomorrow to kick off Pride Month. This is very nice, right? This is also very common. Drag queen story time is very yeah. common. Drag performer Stacey Teed was set to do the reading, but the event is now off. Rubio, who's a Republican U.S. senator from Florida, said it was canceled after he wrote a letter last week to Air Force Secretary Frank Kendall saying it was a gross abuse of taxpayer funding to place children in a sexualized environment. You want to know what a gross abuse of taxpayer funding is, Marco Rubio? These guns, <laughs> not having anything done about gun reform. Sick, for real. <laughs> um, moving on to uh, J.P. Morgan's CEO, Jamie Dimon, who is speaking out about the economy and his predictions are not that good, to say the least. Here's that clip from Bloomberg. It's a hurricane. It's, we, right now, it's kind of sunny. Things are doing fine. You know, everyone thinks the, the Fed can handle this. 
that hurricane is right out there down the road coming our way. We just don't know if it's a minor one or Superstorm Sandy or uh, yeah, Sandy or or uh, Andrew or something like that. And it's you, you, you better brace yourself. Hey, yikes. He also, though, noted the strength of the consumer, rising wages and plentiful jobs as the bright clouds out there. Mm. Yeah. I have nothing to say. It's, it's uh, worrisome, a bit concerning. I have nothing right? to say. Let's just all hug each other. Let's just all... Be- <laughs> Okay, Shira, let me get to this tea report. What's happening in the tea report? So, Anjanue Ellis, I'm so excited. She, as you know, we were just talking about King Richard, you and I. She starred, her her most notable role as up-to-date would be King Richard. That's where she was nominated for an Oscar. But, you know, she shined in many other different films. Mm -hmm. But she has just recently opened up about her sexuality publicly. Now, mind you, she's been out, I guess, personally for decades, but it's a wonder that no one's ever like spilled her tea or run to the yeah. tabloids. But the 53-year-old actress says that she hasn't publicly come out because, quote-unquote, no one asked. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> now, right. in a recent interview with Variety, the King Richard actress recalled walking down the red carpet at Essence's Black Women in Hollywood Awards, which, hello, I was there for. I worked that carpet. Okay. And I guess Ingenue had the word queer, you know, going down her sleeve, but a, a lot of people misread it as queen. So <laughs> no it. one thought to to like none of the press you know asked about it but you know she she's a Mississippi native and she shared that she realized she was queer at the tender age of eight years old growing up in a God fearing family back in the Bible belt you know she was fearing rejection from her family and and some of them did kind of act a little, you know, funny when she stepped into the truth of who she knows herself to be. Hmm. Now, she says in this interview that the solitude of that is lonely. It is violent. It's violent because you literally have to tuck and place so many parts of you that, you know, to be acceptable so people won't run from you and don't want to be around you. It was exhausting. That's what childhood was like. That's what adolescence was like. I knew my sexuality, but there was no template for it. There was no example of it. There was no place for it and certainly no forgiveness for it, which I think speaks to the importance of visibility. I know we always say representation matters, mm-hmm. but it truly, truly does. Now, Anjanou was in an 11-year relationship with a man that she met down at the church. Okay. But, you know, she does. She's like me. Anjanou says, I'm here to talk about my work, not my personal life. That's what I give the girls. I will give you all. I will breadcrumb you all to death. But I, I talk about what I want to talk about when I want to talk about it. I don't owe the public, you know, no, my you personal life. I saw life. you on your IG live, Sell, not talking about everything. I, yeah, I pick and choose. I pick and choose <laughs> what I choose to share with the public because once it's out there, it's out there, especially if That's you're in true. someone like Ingenue's, uh shoes. Like once it's on public record, it's on public record. But I'm so excited. She's one of my favorite actresses. She's so underrated and I'm so excited to see what the future has in store for her. She's so damn talented and dynamic. Congratulations. I can't think of a better way to kick off Pride yes. Month. We got a black woman stepping into the mm-hmm. fullness of who she knows herself to be on a public platform. Shout out to Anjanue Ellis, that's the T Report for this hour. You want to stick around next hour. We often hear about girl girl groups beefing, but uh-huh. there was some boy band. Yeah. Someone just recently came out and was talking about, you know, some beef that was going on in, in the boy band. A I'll give you a hint. Dog it was, fight. It was five of them, and they're British. Okay. Stick around. Well, next up, let's talk about mid-year resolutions to help you finish the year strong. All right? We're going to give you our advice or what we're doing. What are our mid-year resolutions next? Oh, God. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. 
Now we're a little more than halfway through the year, or almost like does halfway start? I think halfway starts July first, so we're almost to halfway through the year. We're at the perfect time to start reflecting. Yes. So that by the time we hit the six month mark, we're ready to go. Right. And so most people, for most people, the resolutions they made on January first are nothing more than a distant memory. Now, if you've fallen into this trap, you'll be glad to know that it's not too late to get back on track. Now, although mid-year comes and goes without much fanfare, it's a great time to take a step back, evaluate your life, and set some new and exciting goals. Shira, are you a fan of New Year's resolutions? I'm a fan of... You give me like you're the type. I'm a fan of recalibrating and like looking back, looking forward, reflection. Definitely. Every day I reflect. Okay, but that does not answer my question. Well, yeah. So (laughs) in my own way, I am, I think I am setting goals and intentions. And yeah, looking ahead at like what I want to create, what I learned from last year, what what I'm doing moving forward. The word resolution, though, can be icky sometimes, right? Because it's like... uh, I don't know. It's almost like it has its own little box to it. And I feel like when I think about goals, I want it to be bigger than that box in a way. Right. And then it becomes this pressure. You don't set short term goals like within the next six months. I want to have this done. I think I have have both. uh, But, you know, and and I do want to want to be specific about it. But it's also kind of creating like a space for it to be, you know, that or something different and more. Mm -hmm. Right. Because sometimes if you're like, holding on to something so specific, you might be missing out on some other stuff. Right. You have way. to give space for yeah. the gray areas yeah. because there are lots of gray areas that come with this lived experience. I'm not necessarily a fan. I used to love a New oh, Year's yeah. resolution, but I think it's because my birthday directly neighbors New Year's Day. It just feels like a rebirth anyway. Like we're saying Happy New Year and I'm turning a different age. So it feels like this weird introspection. Well, not weird, but it feels like this more grounded. I am an earth sign like uh-huh. you and producer Vanessa but it feels like this grounded introspection that just kind of comes with the territory I don't really do resolutions anymore though but I am all about that reflection you know what I started doing someone inspired me uh, I started doing note cards where I write on you know the those what's called those index cards, cards. Index, index cards things as if the, it it's happening right like yeah. I'm. I just bought this great thing, or I'm doing this great job, and I, you know. Well, they th- say or, that part of manifestation is speaking as if you already have it. Yeah. So instead of instead of saying I want, or I want, or one day I hope to have, if you speak affirmatively as if you already have it, then yeah. So it I, like sprinkles I, some extra paprika exactly. on your manifestation. Yeah. So I've I've done that, and in the mornings, most mornings I'll try to read that to myself, and it's not just goals necessarily it's like how i want to feel yeah like i you know i feel energized i'm healthy i'm grateful like all those things so anyway so will you that said be doing like looking at what you have accomplished the past six months and creating a new list well the thing is i do have short-term goals i know by the end of the summer what i hope to accomplish i've already said and granted they're tangible things like they're not anything like to what i would imagine like out of the box they're things that i can certainly get done so i'm like well by the end of the summer this is my deadline it's more like me just setting a deadline for it because like i said i can i can get them done next week technically yeah it's just a matter of scheduling um but i did want to give some tips this is according to thrive global just in case you don't have happen to be like Sheer and I and you happen to be struggling a little bit with yours. So you want to start saying yes to adventure.
adventure. Um, stop recording everything. Ooh, live in the <laughs> hey, moment. This is a good reminder for me even, or all of us live here. Live in the moment. That Life is, is true. only a flash in the pan, and you're going to look up and be mad that you weren't present in the moment because you had that damn phone out. Now, get to stepping. You know, get some exercise in. Get your blood circulating. Take up a new hobby. Find your tribe, which is imperative to growth and to stabilization. You have to find your tribe of people. Yeah, what's that support system? you got to find that. Spend quality time with, with family. Ditch the excuses. Make me time a priority, which is something that I had to learn. Drink enough water. Read more books. Hello, my favorite thing to do. I just got a new one. I just I have like six unread books on my bed. When do you read? I right typically, well, yeah, I do. Like yesterday, I was doing laundry and I finished Fred T. Joseph's book. We interviewed him two weeks ago for uh, Patriarchy Blues. I finished his book. I'm finishing up Tarana Burke's book. It's typically right before I go to bed or if I know that I have like some downtime. I'll pack a book in my bag because you just I love never it. know. It's so cute. If I'm taking an Uber, I'll read in the back of the Uber. Oh, I would get, th- I would get sick. Oh, you get motion sickness? <laughs> yeah, if I was around, like. After well, a bit. well, let yeah. me finish these up before we go to break. So you want to also read, like I said, read more books, start budgeting, really examine, you know, Chase always gets me together, my bank, uh, and I got some other banks too. That's you ever I'm look doing. at your, your expenses for the month, mm-hmm. like how much money you've spent on like food, gas, clothes. Uh, you want to get rid of that bad habit for good, which takes an incredible amount of discipline, but you have discipline is the key to success. Also consider volunteering. Stop complaining. Oh, this is a lot of stuff. And I'm this getting is the tired. Last one. This is the last one. I mean, but I mean, they're all helpful. I'm kidding. Yes, I know. Do something that scares you. So you don't have to do all of those, but maybe take a few of those in, two to three to five to ten of those tips in, and apply them if you want to finish out the year strong. Because we see how these days are melting together because time is moving by so fast. I agree. I love that. What a good reminder, even for me. And I'm saying that with sincerity because I was like, oh, I gotta like put all those things down and see like which ones do I really want to. Don't feel on. the. Pr- I was about to say. Don't feel the pressure to do all of them, but you got to look up. If you want something accomplished by 2023, you might want to start getting a head start on it now. What are you thinking about it? What are you doing to make that happen? Yep. Next up, we're talking about healthy habits and lowering your risk of death. That's a good resolution. Uh, With coffee. How much coffee does that mean you need to drink? Next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Okay, so we got some research that has come out, according to NBC News, that suggests that drinking coffee is linked with a lower risk of death. I don't even know what to believe anymore. Yeah, because at one point it's like, if you drink too much coffee, like what determines too much or too little? Because it can send your heart into a tizzy, can it? I know too much caffeine for me literally will just have my anxiety spiking through the roof. Mm -hmm. It's like I need to stay up or I'm like yesterday I kept yawning. I kept yawning yesterday but i think it was coming off the heels of that three-day weekend but i had a few cups of cold brew and my anxiety just did not do me any Mm. favors yesterday it was really bad for me yesterday yeah and or should you be doing tea instead maybe working out see tea don't have enough caffeine there you go (laughs) dr james simmons is back with us for the answers thanks for being here and saving us here because, you know, Dr. Of James course, comes pleasure. in, whenever we have a health story, he's like, yes, I'll be there. Listen, I love Dr. James, okay? <laughs> Dr. James, we oh, have the tea, the facts, the stats. Um, so, right. And in this case, I'm, I got the coffee. Right. Hey. <laughs> so, so what's the deal with this, this latest news coming out? Well, isn't this so funny that I feel like every six weeks there's a new story about coffee. And, like, coffee's bad for you. You shouldn't drink it. Coffee's great for you. It's going to help you live forever. Like, 
whatever. So this is another one, except the difference with this one is really interesting. It was done on a huge amount of people, more than 120,000 people. They followed them for seven years. So long study, lots of people. And essentially what they looked at was all causes of death in people who did not drink coffee versus all causes of death in people who drank one and a half to three and a half cups of coffee a day with a little sugar or not didn't matter. And what they ultimately found was that in the group of individuals who drank one and a half to three and a half cups of coffee, sugar or not, they tended to live about two to three years longer than the people who did not drink coffee. Now, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Because, you know, (laughs) the mixed messaging of it all, we get told all the time that sugar's bad for us, but you're saying in this case it might actually be beneficiary to add some white pure cane sugar to my coffee to extend my life. (laughs) Isn't that something? Right. So one of the things that researchers have recommended as sort of like step two of this, this big study is to look at, okay, we have people who put one and they only allowed people to put one teaspoon of sugar in. So you put a little bit of sugar in or no sugar at all. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Right. Because a teaspoon of sugar helps the medicine go down. Right. So a little bit of sugar. in. so they also only studied people who did it with regular sugar and not artificial sweeteners. So Ah. it's kind of hard to say because it's such a small amount of sugar, if it really made a difference, but one of the things I think is really important here is that this study did not look for causality, meaning does the coffee cause you to live longer or cause you to you know, have better health? They just wanted to see, all right, once and for all, we're going to study a big old group of people, coffee or not, who dies first? And in this study, it was all people in the UK, by the way, but in this study, people in the UK who drank one and a half to three and a half cups of coffee a day, lived two to three years longer. That's like me. I do uh, two usually. I do uh, coffee really? and Americano. Morning and then, you know, uh, midday. Very European, mm-hmm. right? I've had coffee very, after. Uh, very. I know this is European, but I didn't know it at the time. But I've had, you know, L.A. kind of got me to having a cup of coffee after dinner. A little espresso shot, yeah. Well, no, no, just even just a cup of coffee. You know, when you're at the restaurant, I'd like some coffee. Thank you for the the carbonara, but I'd like some coffee (laughs) now. That's getting that's getting old, Char. That's all that is. It yeah, means, right, exactly. means you you grown you grown now. So, that's what that is. Uh, Doctor James, <laughs> when do you, when would coffee be bad for you in terms of like your consumption of it or the symptoms or the things that come up that you might say, okay, you might not want to be consuming coffee. Yeah, thank you for asking that too, Shira. Uh, you know, I think what you guys were talking about before in terms of the uh, anxiety situation. So. I actually, you know, recommend that that people really start to understand how sensitive they are to caffeine because everybody's a little bit different in their sensitivity to caffeine. My partner can drink coffee all day long, you know, six, seven cups, eight o'clock at night. It will not affect his ability to sleep. I am very different. If I drink coffee after like 2 p.m., I'm going to be up all night. And so it's the same amount of coffee, but we just have different caffeine sensitivities. So if you are someone who's sensitive to caffeine, you have anxiety, you're not sleeping well. Also, if you have heart conditions like atrial fibrillation, those, those heart conditions that are rhythm-related, so your heart might go faster than it normally should, all those things can really be impacted by coffee. The last thing that so many of us have and we don't even really realize are stomach ulcers or gastroesophageal reflux disease, and coffee can make that so bad. So any of those things, I would back off of the coffee. Otherwise, it appears you can... Uh, 
enjoy one and a half to three and a half cups a day and be just fine. Ooh. Amazing. Well, thank you, Dr. Until James next Simmons. Year when the when the next yeah. study comes out and says no coffee or you die. <laughs> right. We're going to talk in July about coffee and how bad it is for you. <laughs> Can't wait. Uh, that was Dr. James Simmons at Ask the NP. You were a perk of our show today. <laughs> oh, Shira. <laughs> wow, Shira. That was. That was amazing. I, right. I, I have no other coffee jokes. Sorry. Yeah, right. Okay. Uh, well, coming up next, we continue to celebrate Pride here on Channel Q, of course. How um, sports, uh, the sports world is celebrating Pride. The MLB. Are you ready for this? Is that baseball? That is baseball, oh, if God. you're wondering next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. What's up? Thanks for hanging out with us on this lovely Wednesday. Um, and hope you're enjoying that music here on Channel Q. We need some good music. We need to be, you know, dancing and having fun. It is Pride Month. Uh, but we're going to be talking about some pretty serious stuff also here on the show this hour. Uh, but really something we need to talk about, right? Absolutely. As uh, Uvalde families crowdfund for therapy. This, there was news that came out about that. How do we do better at supporting these communities and their mental health when disaster hits? We have Dr. Alfie joining us for that in 30 minutes. We've also got Jada Pingett-Smith speaking out about the whole incident that happened at the Oscars. Um, again, this was like, I think, more of a f- formal statement on Red Table Talk. Yeah, she broke her silence, and I'll give you more of that in the T-Report this hour. But let's get into some what's trending this hour because we do have a breaking uh, story developing. Tulsa police are responding to an active shooter situation at the Warren Clinic. Initial reports from police indicate several people have been hit, and it is being treated as a catastrophic incident, and they say the shooter is down. Um, Additionally, this is according to Storm Jones, who's a reporter for KWTV News out in Tulsa. He's reporting that uh, victims are being taken out on stretchers because the hospital where the shooting happened is on lockdown. At least five ambulances have left the facility. Um, At 5.53 Central Standard Time, law enforcement continue to search the building. They say one shooter is down, but the search continues to ensure that the facility is completely clear. I don't, I have no words. It's like, so if this would have happened, you go to a hospital for safety, get taken care of, but not even those places that are safe, quote unquote, safe spaces. No, there is no place in America that is safe from gun violence. Not one. Not one. I have. I literally. I don't have anything. That, this is yeah. so upsetting to me. It is so upsetting to me because nothing's being done. How much more blood needs to be shed? How many more lives need to be taken before something is done? There's at least one change. Make make some action. Gosh, we need right? background checks. There's so much with gun reform. I'll go on a tangent, yeah. and I don't want to do that. But this is. It's really jarring to read this, especially like how are we expected to celebrate pride when every day we're reading about people being mowed down? Yeah. You know, it's it's disgusting. I Go ahead. And meanwhile, unfortunately, you know, I was going to play this clip, which um, there's no point, but I'll tell you what this guy said, Governor Jim Justice from West Virginia, um, because it's not worth our time. But, you know, he, along with all the GOP, continue now to hunker down on these excuses around now porn, violent video games, social media. You know, this is the reason why we're where we're at okay. after declining a request to call special legislative session on gun control following the shooting. And now, of course, there's this that we just reported on. Yeah. Let's move on to uh, some pride news. 
Um, and we'll keep you updated as that story develops, of course. Mm-hmm. The Los Angeles Dodgers are holding their ninth annual LGBTQ plus night at Dodger Stadium this Friday, June 3rd, when they host the New York Mets. So if you're in L.A., you can grab your tickets. Uh, for the first time ever, ever, the Dodgers will wear custom pride caps when they take the field. The special caps will also be sold at the top of the park and team store in left field while supplies last according to the announcement. Uh, this year will also feature an exclusive commemorative Dodger LGBTQ plus game jersey, which is part of a special ticket package available for purchase now. You can check that out at dodgers.com slash LA Pride. And that was what's trending this hour, what's happening in entertainment news. Before I get to the tea report, I just have to say that this hits especially close to home because I'm someone who received my undergraduate degree from the state of Oklahoma. So I'm, I'm on, I hope no mm-hmm. one that I know is impact. It's just it's just very jarring. Nevertheless, Jada Pinkett Smith has finally opened up about the slap heard and seen across the world at the end of March, which it seems like the slap was six months ago at this point. Yeah. It's hard to believe that it was just a few months ago. Um, it was this morning's Red Table Talk, which addressed uh, the devastating impacts of alopecia, which is a hair loss condition that Pinkett Smith suffers from. Take a listen to what she had to say. This is a really important Red Table Talk on alopecia. Considering what I've been through with my own health and what happened at the Oscars, thousands have reached out to me with their stories. I'm using this moment to give our alopecia family an opportunity to talk about what it's like to have this condition and to inform people about what alopecia actually is. Now about Oscar night, my deepest hope is that these two intelligent, capable men have an opportunity to heal, talk this out, and reconcile. The state of the world today, we need them both. And we all actually need one another more than ever. She is absolutely right. Thank you so much, Jada mm-hmm. Pinkett Smith. And I hope, I imagine that they they will sit down and iron things out. I must say, I did watch, I, I love David Letterman's series on Netflix, yeah. My Next Guest. I did watch the Will Smith uh, interview. I watched all of the new season from Julia Louis-Dreyfus, Ryan Reynolds, Cardi B, Billie Eilish. It was so, so, so good. I just got, I get sucked into that, even though, you know, David Letterman famously had like decades long beef with Oprah and I'm always team oh, Oprah. Oh, really? Yes, he would just always just, Tease and gaslight, mm, like always had jokes yeah. about her weight and her appearance. Oh, no. oh, oh, yes. Those are the days. And so, uh, welcome to the 90s. Right. And so, but the Will Smith interview is there. And of course, it happened, it was recorded pre slap, but just listening in context to Will's journey and like, Jada is absolutely right. I, I hope that everything starts to make sense soon because. You know, we do need each other, especially, you know, given the news we just reported this right? hour. You like know. it makes you know, in context. Yeah. You know, it's, and it's not like we should be comparing everything because we'd be the comparisons would continue forever. But like when you do make the comparison, like things you can't compare. Exactly. But like uh, but when we reflect on like that moment happened, it, it happened. But like also context. Right. Yeah. So like what's happening in the world. And people have been comparing, you know, with in the name of what's her name, Amy, Amy Schumer and Judd Apatow and a few other celebrities who took to the Twitter streets to talk about how traumatized they were about the slap. But they have been radio silent on the massacre that happened in Buffalo. They've been radio silent on all of the other things that someone would deem really matters versus two Hollywood men, you know, well, one assaulting another on the Oscar stage. They talked about being traumatized for weeks and have nothing to offer when we have massacres afoot. Nothing to say, nothing worthwhile, nothing to contribute to the conversation or the zeitgeist. It's just annoying, and I'm tired of everybody. All right. But happy pride. Yeah, let's move on. (laughs)
<laughs> I'm trying to I keep know. my spirits. I'm really am upset about well, what's going on in Tulsa. This is horrifying. I can barely happened. focus. Yeah, really, I'm sorry. Uh, well, we will have Dr. Alfie on in uh, 15 minutes or so to talk more about that, unfortunately, with that breaking news. Uh, but after this, employees are actually thinking of deleting bachelor degree requirements. Are we okay with this? Next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Should employees stop looking at our college, like where we went to college, and that be a requirement for being employed, right? So this came up in a TikTok where um, this person posted a bit of a conference where they saw or heard a Google exec saying that a majority of Black and Latinx people and people who live in rural areas are eliminated from job searches when companies require a bachelor's degree for applications right so it started up a a debate of whether that requirement should change and people think many things but here's a little clip from that i attended the handshake access conference and the statistic was shared by google bachelor's you know this is for the employers if you put a bachelor's degree requirement on a job you eliminate about 80 percent of latino americans about 70 percent of black americans and about 70 percent of people who live in rural america um and I think that is just a call, you know, to have conversations like this one that we're having today. Well, that brings up, yeah, a big conversation. Would you want companies to stop requiring that? Right? I think it depends on the position, if I'm being yeah, honest. Well, the whole point yeah. of obtaining your bachelor's degree is to refine and hone in on your skill. So it depends on where you fit in. If you're applying at Sephora, if you're applying to be someone's administrative assistant, then no, I don't really see a need for you to have that, you know, bachelor's degree. I know that in journalism, a lot of this has come up because me as a journalist, I do have my degree in specifically broadcast journalism. But there's a lot of... uh of of people in hosting spaces that that it intersects. I know people very popular. One of my closest friends who is a political commentator yeah. does not have his degree. Does that take away from his expertise? No. But I think, again, it depends on the uh, experience and the profession. Because like even with my degree, there's things that I learned that came with totally. that degree. The Associated yeah. Press style book. There are internships. You can't... You need an internship to graduate. Well, here's the thing. You could intern even if you're not going to college. I know that you're not so. Because that's an insurance concern. There is a bit of insurance. But, like, I think that you could say if people that couldn't afford college really want to hustle, right, and they want to go in at a lower level position or an internship, there could be something that happens where you're either paid a lower amount, yeah, you're not getting college credit. That is kind well, of an agreement with the employer. Yeah, I, I know at the news station that I interned at, they were not letting people, if you were not obtaining yeah, college rules. credit, because if you slip and fall in the break room, that's an insurance thing. So, yeah, and here's the thing, though. Even that I find, like, you're cutting out people that really want the experience. Of course. And that, you know, it would suck so much if they're like, okay, I, I can't afford to get college credit. Of course, yeah. Right? And so I think there it is on employers to say... Um, but you- there's also other routes. There, there are certificates. I think, like I said, it goes back to said position, and it also goes back to 
like I said, I think it's ridiculous if you have like if you're applying to be the perfume girl at Macy's, you shouldn't have to be required to have a college degree. However, like I like even. OK, let's talk about trade school. If you're an electrician, I need you to be board certified before you come over to my apartment and get to yeah, cutting they're, cords they're, and, and linking well, stuff here's together. The thing. There's certain certifications. If you were born at like Go to trade the, the child of a electrician, you're probably going to know that or a welder. My partner is a welder. Right. He's a self-taught engineer. Mm-hmm. He didn't go to college and he's. Does he have any certifications to does. support? He's been doing it for his whole life, basically. And so he literally learned he was mentored. Well, by I someone. have a shout out you know to Jade. I mean? so, My friend Jade just graduated. She is a, a renowned cook, a renowned chef. But I know that she just went back to school to yeah, you know I mean, further solidify her skills and to further when you have that backing it can take you to different places. So here's here's the thing. But I don't I, want you touching my car, <laughs> my circuits, and I don't need you touching anything if, without if some I, sort of certification. If on Yelp or there's a recommendation or referral and you are the best of the best or you are one of the best, right? I'm down to like to trust you and say and give you the benefit of the doubt without certification all this. Okay, well what if something goes wrong and you can't report them to the Better Business Bureau? Well, you could still if they have a business, you could still they could they're liable. Just because they don't have a certification or a college degree, like you're still liable if you have a business. I don't know, I, I and don't, as an individual, possibly. Yeah, yeah. possibly. I, At, I just know that I feel more secure when, you, like, even with surgeons. And I know that this is different. Well, but yes, even doctors. With surgeons, and I need therapists. you to be a board certified surgeon. Exactly. <laughs> so, just as something to be aware of, our biases when it comes to hiring. Right. Body, that's the biggest thing. That's what it boils down to. OK, well, coming up next, speaking of therapists, we have a mental health correspondent, Dr. Alfie, joining us to talk about uh, therapy when tragedy hits next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Uh, now, again, we reported about this at the top of the hour. Uh, multiple people have been killed in a shooting today on a hospital campus in Tulsa, Oklahoma, according to the Tulsa Fire Department. Uh, and so, again, here at Channel Q, we'll keep you updated as that um, news comes out. But it's just tragic to continue to hear about this today. It seems like every day there's something happening. Um, and, you know, oddly enough, we are we going to be having a conversation right now about Uvalde and how the families have started um, a fundraiser for therapy, right, to support their own mental health. And, of course, we're about to talk about that when all this happens, right, mm-hmm. which is just so sad. Um, Dr. Alfie joins us again, a mental health correspondent, as we dive in. Thank you for being here. Of course. My pleasure. So, you know, I, I mean, I've, I've no words even as we just reported about what we did, but how are these communities supposed to deal with their mental health? You know, uh, I'm assuming not all of them have money or insurance, right? And they've just gone through a, a major trauma. Yeah, this is one of those times when it really is hard to find the words. And I think like asking people, I think what we feel inclined to do is say to people, make sure you take care of your mental health. And I think in these moments, um, it is honoring that people need space for grief, right? They need space for the shock. They need space to experience the trauma. And I feel like that is the way that we support people is that we give people the room that they need to be in, in the moment dealing with the grief, you know, dealing with the overwhelming grief and sadness and just difficulty of all of this and recognizing that, you know, trauma takes a while to heal. So I think that's the most important thing is just acknowledging 
the reality of the trauma that people are facing in these situations. I think what's most troubling to me is I feel like personally I am drowning in trauma right now as a as 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 a direct result of everything that's happening in the news from Buffalo to Uvalde to Xavier University in New Orleans yesterday to Tulsa today. I can only imagine I can't even begin to imagine actually what some of these children might be going through. Um, especially the children who played dead or put blood on them so that they would not be harmed. What steps need to be taken? And and I should mention that Governor Abbott of Texas has a history of diverting money away from mental health programs like that is on record. What steps do you think need to be taken to ensure that, you know, these children can grow up and live fully well-rounded, prosperous lives? I would say a lot, a lot, a lot just a tremendous amount of focus on their emotional well-being and mental health as much as we put focus on their physical health. So there's emotional Mm -hmm. safety. Um, There is creating the opportunity, like forcing opportunities, like making ourselves as parents and caregivers for just for a moment, put our emotional and physical needs to the side and being present for our children or the children who are in our care or the children who are in our spaces and asking questions. Sometimes it is just making statements like, I know this has to be hard for you. I can't imagine what you're feeling, but I want to be available to you. So I will just sit with you. And when you feel like talking to me, talk to me. And so I think it is not forcing too much of ourselves onto our young people, but Mm -hmm. really making an intentional effort to hold space for them and to ask them for what they need. And even if they can't articulate it, to just keep trying to pick in the dark until we can put our fingers on something that we can give our kids in terms of their emotion, emotions and articulating those to let them know it's okay to talk about their emotions and that the old cliche, it's okay to not be okay, mm-hmm. is real and that we believe in it. You know, we have emergency services when different things happen, whether it be, you know, hurricanes or um, natural disasters, right? So we need people to come in um, to help with lodging, with food, transportation. Do we have something like that in this country for mental health? Like emergency services for yeah. mental health? Like, in, like in terms closest- of like that, like federal relief or like when, you know, or where someone comes in and like we texted about this. It, I feel like there's a need for that or maybe I'm wrong. Yes. Yes, uh, there is a need for it. I don't know that it's always readily available what we have. So at the state level or even at the county level, not all, probably not even most, but many counties have emergency services, just to your point, like almost like FEMA when they show up in the aftermath of a natural disaster. They have those services available at the county level, but people don't always know how to uh, access those. I'm sorry. And so what we have instead is sort of this patchwork of different entities who provide this. A lot of nonprofits do this work. Acoma Project has a free therapy program right now for young people of color ages 13 to 30. Um, Crisis Text Line, you know, that's always available. And some of our 800 numbers like Lifeline and that kind of thing. We have those things, but I do think in terms of a structured, formal um, way to address these kinds of emergency mental health services, I feel like it is much more of a patchwork. There's a, there are a lot of bills currently working our way through our federal highest levels of federal government trying to address this. But I don't know that we have a unified system, to your point, Shira, that, that helps us tackle these things um, formally. Okay, well, we have to wrap up, but we really appreciate your time. We know how uh, busy you have been and just like Dr. Alfie's a rock star. So it's always an honor to have her here. 
Thank you so much for having me. You all take Thank care. You. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, again, follow her at Dr. Alfie and at the Acoma Project, right? Yes, correct. Thank you so much. Amazing. Thank you. Next up, the new study around support for marriage equality nationwide. That and more next on What's Trending This Hour. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Hey. 